Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. You have a seat, everyone. It's, it's good to be together. Uh, it's so nice to see many of you. Uh, it's, uh, it's summertime. That means there's some guests or uh, maybe you're between vacation or uh, maybe somebody tricked you to be here because they're like, we'll buy you lunch if you come. I don't know. Uh, I, I want to say hi to everybody watching online. A special welcome if you're watching online, if you're traveling. I know people from our church that are on vacation and they send a little note, or I email them because we miss them, and they're like, oh, we're on the beach, or we're in France, but they're watching online, so we're like, we miss you, uh, and safe travels, but also I want to say a special thank you, I don't do this enough, but I want to just say thank you to anyone watching online who's been serving this morning. Uh, you might not know this, but there's like 20 to 30 volunteers that are like making our gatherings work, and kids are being taken care of, and just our, our, our teams and so many uh, levels of our church, and sometimes for them, they're going to watch this teaching later. And, and it's such a gift to us that they're sacrificing that way. So if you're watching this a bit later, we just all together say thank you. Thank you for serving and for just setting aside your schedule, your own needs to just help. And so that's always a blessing. And it's easy to forget that. It's very easy to forget that because somebody's just doing it. We kind of live in a culture that teaches us that, right? That everything's about us and somebody should do it. And I'd be lying if I didn't tell you that that's part of my own, uh, you know, makeup sometimes in a culture that's very consumeristic. I go somewhere, if I have to wait like more than two minutes, I'm like, I'm doing a review, uh, you know, or like I'm posting something online. It's part of the culture. And it takes real discipline to say, you know what, maybe this whole story is not about you or me. Maybe life is not just about you. And maybe what we need to learn is what the Bible invites us into, that God is at work doing something and He invites us into what He's doing because the story is about Him. That's a totally different paradigm. And so this morning, we're so happy you're here. And if you've kind of just landed in the middle, we've, for the past few weeks, been learning through this book called The Psalms. And we're learning kind of how to think differently about prayer. And I thought about this this week because this happened to me. Has this ever happened to you when you leave your phone in the sun for too long and you get this dumb message on your phone? Uh, you'll see it on the screen. Uh, I did it a few times already this summer. You're like, ah, you know, I just can't use my phone. And then you're, if you're like me, it's really, I'm like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. I'm like, do you put it in the fridge? I'm like, that can't be good because it's going to break. And you have to wait, and you're just waiting, and you're like, so I had an idea. Apple people, it's just an idea. If this works, we're going to be rich. Okay, my idea is that when this happens, it'd be nice if the phone had a timer to tell you it will take about like two minutes before you can use your phone again. Isn't that a good idea? Like, they should be able to do that. Like, there's a robot on Mars sending us pictures, so fix that. Okay, so this happened to me. This happened to me, and I thought so much of this is helpful if you've missed our series on prayer. It's that the inventor of our phone decided that they would put a feature in the phone that says this phone has limitations, and if you leave it in a place where it's too hot, it will stop working for some time. 
just to think about that we have been created with similar type of features. That God has created each of us with a few of these checks, like almost like a check engine or a warning in our lives where God says to us, if you don't rest, your body will shut down. I've made it that way. Or one of the most important things that I hope you're learning, that if you don't learn to pray, so much of what you're trying to understand in your Christian life will sooner or later break down. Prayer is one of the most important things you learn to do because it's essential to growing and understanding our faith. And it's very hard to learn how to pray because prayer sounds weird and it's like it's something you say in the sky and you hope somebody listens. What is it? But I hope that over these past few weeks and even as we end the summer, which is coming soon, that you're learning how to take prayer seriously, how to understand prayer from a different perspective and to realize and really believe that if I don't learn how to pray, so much of what I hope God does in my life will... It'll start to fade. I won't understand. I'll be discouraged. And, and I, I, oftentimes in my life, then prayer becomes an emergency thing. Like I'm praying when I'm on the way to the hospital or I'm praying when I have a, a, a difficult meeting. But prayer is not a way of life or a season where you're learning to be present with God. Sometimes not even speaking. Sometimes just being quiet and learning to understand God's presence, learning to discern how God's calling you to take next steps. So if you've missed any of these weeks, where we're, we're talking about some of these things. You can go online. You can watch on YouTube. But this morning, I want to just remind you that we've been doing this again by looking at the book of Psalms. And the Psalms are these prayers right in the middle of our Bible. If, if you've never read them, you might be surprised. Some are very easy to read. And why I love the Psalms for, for me when I was learning how to pray is that if you have a lot of time in your schedule, there's like long Psalms. Like it takes a while. But if you have just a few minutes between something or you're driving and you say, Suri read me psalm, whatever, Siri will just play the psalm in your car. I'm like, it's amazing, the, the, the access we have to just hearing these prayers. And so maybe you've never learned how to pray or you're not sure how to pray. The Bible kind of gives us these prayers that help us learn how to pray. And one of the things we want to help you with is not just to pay attention how much you pray, because that's always hard. Like, I don't pray enough. I should pray more. Then you feel guilty, and you're like, oh, Lord, you know, you're confused. But when you pray... What do your prayers sound like? What kinds of prayers do you pray? What kinds of things are you asking God for? And how do our prayers reveal what's actually in our hearts? You know, there was a season in my life where I remember noticing a pattern in my prayers that I'm so embarrassed of. And the pattern was I was always pray for other people and that I wasn't like them. You ever do this? Parents maybe do this. You know, I'm so happy my kids are not like their kids. Like they're nice, but they're not like my kids. Or maybe somebody you work with, I'm so happy that our marriage is, it's not like their marriage, that, that things are falling apart in their life. I'm so happy. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You have these prayers that sooner or later start to reveal that your heart is actually very judgmental, that you actually don't care about other people, but your prayers start to identify something in your heart that you should learn to confess and say, God, I don't know how I learned to pray like this, but it's kind of weird that our prayers are not just about how often we pray, but what our prayers reveal about what's in our hearts. And if you've been with us, you know that Jesus catches people doing this sometimes. They're praying and they're looking all special and holy, but they haven't confessed things in their lives. They're praying and they're not really surrendered to God, saying, God, I'm not praying for anyone else. I just need to learn what it means to trust you. This is about me and what's going on in my life. You know, some of those types of things. If you've missed kind of the series, we actually call the series Grown Up Prayers just learning to grow up. And, and the first week of the series, I kind of gave you three simple kind of markers or ways to remember 
like what grown-up prayers are, and maybe some of you were sleeping, you forgot, or you missed it. You're one of those, okay? You're welcome. Okay, uh, I'm just going to put them on the screen again, okay, so you can just see them. Here you go. So grown-up prayers are shaped by biblical truth. They're not just a vibe. They're not just like, oh, today I'm going to pray. I think there's God, you care, and help me out. No, no, they're, they're prayers that are shaped by us reading the Bible and learning the Bible. This is important. That's why the Psalms are beautiful for that. Grown-up prayers are honest about our broken humanity. Grown-up prayers help us to realize that some of the times as we pray, God loves us even in our brokenness. God loves your husband, your wife, your kids, even when they mess up. God loves a coworker that you work with, even if they don't believe in God yet, God already loves them. So there's something about these prayers that force us not to judge others, not to think we're better than them, but to remember that we're broken and all in need of God's grace to find us where we are. It's such an important thing about growing up, or else we become judgmental. The last thing, too, is I love these prayers because some of these prayers are prayed in community. When I was growing up, I always thought of prayer as something private I do by myself. I think it's because I was shy, and I don't want people to hear me. Like, what if I say the wrong thing, and then they make fun of me? They won't make fun of me out loud, but they'll be judging me in their hearts, like some of you do, right? But it's just kidding. It's just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, but I remember thinking, as I read the Psalms, some of these Psalms are prayers that people pray together in a group. And we actually tried to do this when we made the series when we, when we were thinking about the series and we made the graphic for the series, we were talking to our team and someone who helps with our graphics, and I remember saying, let's use a graphic, if you look at the graphic, where people are praying together in the graphic. Just it was an intentional way to think about prayers are not just something you do by yourself. There are things you learn to do with other people, where people help you to pray and you hear them pray. And then you remember, you know what? I know how to pray for you better now. This is hard to do, so we are on a journey to grow up together to begin to grow up and learn how to do this better. In the Bible, we see different examples where Jesus is quoting the Psalms, where people in the Bible are thinking of the Psalms as they think about praying. And one of the things I want to tell you this morning as, I look, as we look at one of the most famous Psalms, I think you'll, you'll agree with me, it's one of the famous ones in the Bible, is I want to look at a moment where Jesus is being tempted and not only is Jesus going to quote the Psalms when he, he thinks about this temptation, he's going to think about this, but actually Jesus is going to quote from different parts of the Bible when he's in, on this journey as he's being obedient. And one day the devil comes to tempt Jesus. It's a fascinating moment in the Bible. It's this moment where Jesus is committed to be obedient and he feels the temptation of the devil. We can read these stories in Luke chapter 4, different parts of the Gospels, where the evil one comes to distract Jesus from what he's going to do. Because the goal is for Jesus not to be obedient to the Father. And what's shocking is that one of the ways that the devil does this is by quoting one of the Psalms on Jesus. This is, you'll see it on the screen. This is what it says. If you are the Son of God, says the devil, throw yourself down from here. For it is written in the Psalms... The devil knows the Bible is already spooky enough, okay? He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And on the slide here, if you're listening online, I wanted to show you this, that this is found in Luke chapter 4, which is one of the, the, the biographies of Jesus. And the reference point is the devil referencing Psalm 91 with Jesus. This is a fascinating story. Because what it teaches us is even if you know the Psalms, you cannot care about what they say. That even if you can quote the Bible, you cannot care about the Bible getting into you and into your life. Even the devil knows the Bible. But the devil doesn't care to obey what the Bible says. 
And so in this moment, we see that even the devil will say, hey, the Psalms, the Psalms, those are, how about this Psalm? This, this will apply to you. And if you read the temptation stories, you'll notice that Jesus will correct the devil and say, hey, hey, that's not what that passage means. And that's not how that passage should be used. So even Jesus is drawing our attention to how easy it is to pray and to even be misguided in that way. So can I just encourage you that over the next few weeks, we continue to grow up in how we pray, to grow up in how we think about what we're saying when we pray. I'm convinced as a pastor now for over 20 years that some of the weirdest things that Christians believe start in a prayer meeting. They do. They just start in a prayer meeting because it feels really nice. And if somebody says something in a prayer meeting, like I've been in prayer meetings where somebody's praying and they'll stop and they'll be like, oh, you know, my aunt, she died and I feel she's right here with me. And you have a moment, you're like, that just got creepy right now. But you don't want to, but you don't want to say anything because you're like, we're praying. And I guess for them, they're hard. like, you don't say anything and you let it go. I've been in so many meetings where in prayer moments, it's easy for us to say something, even start to believe something, and after a while you realize, I don't even think that's connected at all to what Christians believe about prayer. I've been in meetings where in the middle of a prayer meeting, a person pulled out a sword. Okay, it wasn't a real sword, but I'm serious. So, you know, yeah, being a pastor is wild. Some of you, God's going to call you to be a pastor. You wait. Okay? In a meeting, and they pulled out the sword, and at first I thought it was real, but it wasn't real, and they started using the sword to say, God's going to cut Satan down, cut, cut, cut. And it was really meaningful to that person. They had a good heart. Amen. But it was weird. I was like, what is happening right now? If I invited somebody that I know that's not used to praying to something like that, they would have been like, Dom, c'est pas fort, huh? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 like, I don't know how to maneuver around this, right? Because in prayer times, it's easy to let things just, it's okay. Like, it's a prayer. God knows that you didn't mean to say something heretical. No. <laughs> Okay, no, we need to learn that even in our prayers, sometimes, not always, that God shapes those prayers so that they're rooted in who Jesus really is and that they become prayers that really honor God. So each of us gets a chance to kind of grow in this way as we go through the series. This morning, we're going to look at the most famous psalm, I think, of all of the psalms. Even if you don't know it's the most famous psalm, you've probably heard this psalm at some point. If any of you have ever been tricked by somebody that you care about to watch one of the crappiest movies ever made called Titanic. Any of you ever watched that movie? Anyway, garbage. My wife tricked me to watch this movie when we started dating, and it was so close to thinking she's not the one for me. It was this close. It was like three hours long. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> right? In this movie, the priest in the movie starts to quote Psalm 23. Like, though, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no. And every time you see this psalm used in kind of pop culture, it's usually around dying. It's around like somebody's dying and I'm going through the valley. You rarely will hear the, the whole psalm used because then you have to talk about God and we don't need that, right? But it's one of those psalms that is so popular but often misunderstood. It's often used uh, in so many different ways, many beautiful ways. And so maybe for you, if you're just learning, Psalm 23 is a great psalm to begin with. To just go and read it, read it, almost kind of internalize it, and read the whole psalm so you know it. So what I want to do today is I'm just going to go through this psalm with you. We're going to actually go through it kind of verse by verse. It's pretty simple. And I'm just going to help us to think about what it means to pray this psalm and to help this prayer, this kind of ancient prayer, help us grow up. Just really help us to grow up 
in how we think about our relationship with God. And for some of you, you came here this morning and you need God to intervene in something in your life. I've been there. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've cried on God and it seems like that God is just not listening. I pray that this morning as we look at this psalm, you would sense just at least the peace of God that he has heard your prayer, that he's heard your prayer and he is listening to our prayers. The beginning of Psalm 23 begins like this. It's so beautiful. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I love this translation. Kind of different translations. If you've learned it, maybe in the old kind of King James version of the Bible has a different way of framing it. But this is one of the most grown-up prayers you can kind of say in your life. Think about it. One is, it's that moment where you admit to others that you are not self-sustaining in your own life. That at some point you need God to really be your shepherd in this life. That you really need God to be the one who's guiding you and helping you and sustaining you, not only your business or your family, but your life. That you need God's help. And that's not like something that we think about often. We think about what it means to be strong and to be committed and to, to kind of have it all together. And the, the writer of this psalm, his name is David. Some of you know this. And if you have a Bible, you might see on the top of this, it'll say a psalm of David. He was actually a shepherd. And so it makes sense that he would think of this idea of like, what does it mean that I'm a shepherd, but what does it mean even in a deeper way that the Lord is my shepherd? Not that the Lord is a shepherd, but that the Lord is my shepherd. What does that mean? Well, one of the things it means, it means something that nobody wants to admit. You ready for this? That each of us, at some point, are sheep. Now, if you've watched anything on social media, you know that the word sheep nowadays is used as such a derogatory term. Oh, you're a sheep. You do whatever they tell you to do. You're a sheep. Oh, you just follow the government. That's sheep. Sheep. All this idea of sheep has been so, like, almost ruined for us to be able to hear the meaning of the word sheep in light of this prayer. Because who wants to be a sheep? It means you're weak, it means you're ignorant, it means you just follow the rules. And then you get to this prayer and David is like, the Lord is my shepherd. And I am willing to go wherever he calls me to go. And then he says the most profound thing. He says, and when that gets into your heart, you will realize that he has everything you will ever need in this life. That's a grown-up prayer. Because we live in a world that says, not only should you have what you need, but what do you want? And why isn't God giving you what you want? What kind of God is this? If he just gives us what we need. I mean, I can get some of that stuff myself. I got my own stuff. I have a job. I get that stuff. No, no, David's like, you have to understand. There's something about this prayer that brings us to this place where we become people who are content with what we need, even when we don't get what we want. I'm the first one to admit, like, that's hard to learn. There's a lot of times I'm praying and there's a lot of wants. Actually, all of society is built on you being unhappy just enough to buy something else. The whole world we live in is built on, how come you don't have what you want? How come you don't? And you should want that. I have these jokes I use with my wife. Sometimes we're in a store and I have this for a few stores. They will, they will remain nameless because if you're watching online, amen. Uh, but there's stores that you walk in and I said, babe, I feel like this store has the power to make me realize all the things I should have wanted before I came in here. You get in the store, I'm like, I don't need anything. I'm just going to walk with you. I'm just going to Costco. And you're going in these things. And when you get there, 
You get there, and you're like, I didn't know I needed berries picked from the mountain like this fresh. I didn't know. And I'm like, you just realize, like, there's everything we want. And I'm like, we're going to spend $20. You come out, we spend $2,000. And I have no idea, and half of this stuff we're going to throw. Because we can't put it anywhere. It's a disaster. We live in a world that fuels our hearts to want more, to want what others have, to want what we still wish we had, even though we know that when we get it within an hour, we're still not going to be happy. Why? Because we're not learning to pray grown-up prayers. We're not learning to be shaped in our heart as people who say, because the Lord is my shepherd, I pray for some beautiful things. I love it if God blesses us. That's okay. And God does bless us with so many things. But if I have all that I need, that will be okay. That will be okay. Some of you, you're at that moment in your life where you're learning that, where God's provided what you need, and there's some other things that you want, and you're praying for those things, and that's good. But if they don't come through the way you wanted them to, you need to be a grown-up. You need to trust God. David's thinking about this, and he's thinking about being a shepherd, and he's holding all this together, and it's such a profound introduction to this prayer. You could just think about these few verses just the whole morning. Then he goes to verse 2 and he says this. He, the shepherd, he lets us rest in green meadows. Some translations say pastures. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path or paths of righteousness, good King James, uh, bringing honor to his name. Just look at the kinds of things that we get to experience when we learn to trust God as our shepherd. These are the kinds of things that are available to us as we really start to think about a God who, who loves to see us resting, a God who wants to help us experience His peace, a God who renews our strength when we're tired and overwhelmed. You know, there's this a strength that comes from just saying, God really cares about us. He wants us to kind of have a renewed sense of strength that comes from Him. And he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. I thought about these, just these four simple things. A God who helps us to rest, a God who leads us, a God who renews us, a God who guides us. Which one of these do you need God to do in your life? Which one of these is the most important right now for where you are? For me this week, I think the strength one was a big one. Just a bit overwhelmed, a busy week, sickness in our home, traveling coming up. And I just said, God, like, I, I feel strong. I try to be strong, but I really have this sense that I need your strength in a whole new way now. So just help me to sense that. Just help me to know, is it because I need to rest? Is it because I'm not praying enough? Well, what do I need to pay attention to? You know, if you were a shepherd in the Bible times, there's so many things about sheep that would quickly have come to the surface for people reading this. One of the things that all the shepherds in the Bible know about sheep is that sheep cannot eat if they don't feel that they're at peace. Sheep who are overwhelmed or nervous, because obviously think about if somebody wants to kill you, right? Like you, you just can't stop to eat because you're anxious. And we actually feel this a little bit as humans, right? So it was so important for the shepherd to make sure that the sheep knew that they were safe so that they could eat. And rarely do sheep even just lie down to kind of rest until they feel extremely peaceful. Just even when you see sheep in a field, they're usually standing and they're eating and they're standing and they're walking. It's a mechanism to be ready to run off if, if, if another animal comes to attack them. So there's a sense that God says, no, 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 I'm the kind of shepherd 
that it's safe enough for you to just rest and slow down and to eat. And the other thing, I never knew this. I was studying about this this week, and I was like, that's what's so beautiful about the Bible, by the way. Like, you study it, and you're like, okay, that, I didn't know. I had no idea that sheep rarely, rarely are able to drink from a stream of running water or a fast-moving stream. You know why? Because they're afraid. They're so afraid when the water is loud and the water is moving too quickly that they can't stop to even drink. So the shepherd has to go ahead of them and begin to, you know like kids do at the beach where they make like the sand, the water, the sand, the path, and by the time the water gets to your feet, it's like, bleh, right? That feeling? The shepherd has to do that with sheep so that they'll drink. That this beautiful prayer of, of David is saying to us that God knows the kinds of things that are distracting you from eating and drinking. God knows the kinds of things you're afraid of. God knows the kinds of things that are keeping you from growing up in full strength, in full nourishment that you will need in this life. You will need God's strength and you will need God's leading and God's guidance to experience his joy. You will need that. And he knows that. Just think about your life. I think about this in my life. Think about all the things that will distract you this week that will make you feel like it's impossible to read Psalm 23. I just can't, Pastor Dom. I, uh, I can't. Oh, you have no idea. It's crazy. Just all these things, they're just going to come up. And just slowing down to hear just God's Word as a nourishment for our soul. Distracted, nervous, anxious, my kids, bills, work. Oh, my goodness, we're going on vacation. I'm even stressed about that. Happens to all of us. Grown-up prayers. Prayers that move us to this place of saying, no, no, God, I can't let that happen. If I don't learn how to pray, if I don't learn to feed and to hear your word so it shapes how I pray, I will never grow up. I will always be an immature Christian. And immature Christians handle no storms in life. Immature Christians are judgmental. They gossip. They, there's no mechanism for maturity. But grown-up prayers help us with that. They shape us in this deeper way. And what's beautiful about this, there's a sense that as we pray, we also get a sense of discernment about the path we should take. One of the, one of the scholars I read with this passage talks about how it's, so, it's an honor to a shepherd if they're watching someone else's sheep to bring them back the way he got, he got them. It's a sense that a good shepherd knows all the sheep that are there, and when the day is done, they go back into their sheep pen, and they're all there. It honors God in a sense even just to say when we're committed to this because it honors him because our lives are committed to honoring him. David is trying to hold all these images together. Now, if you're taking notes, I want, to, I want you to write something down now. It's going to be really tricky. You can miss this. That between verse 3 and verse 4, something happens. Something happens that the psalmist just expects us to know about sheep. Sheep always get lost. They get lost. And this is what we read in verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's kind of strange. Like we just went from the Lord leading us, so how do we get into a place where we're dying? How did that even happen? Right? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I, I mean, I love this verse of this prayer. I love it for so many reasons. I love it because, one, it's a reminder that we have the kind of shepherd in God that even when we get lost... He looks for us. Even when we kind of mess up and our lives feel like they're, he gave us the right path, he gave us his strength, he gave us the right thing, we have this prayer, and then we kind of like got lost somehow. Sheep get lost in a very strange way. 
They rarely go far from the shepherd. They rarely go far from where the other uh, sheep are. They get lost because maybe they see and they start to eat grass and they start to slowly move distractedly in another location and then they're lost. This image of being a lost sheep is an image that Jesus will use often. He will use it all the time when he starts to talk about what it means that he himself has something to teach us about sheep and shepherds. Maybe you know somebody that if you think about their life, they maybe feel like they've lost their way. Maybe you think of your own life. Maybe this summer, this year, a few years ago, you, you kind of lost your way. You weren't as focused, as committed to God. You kind of started doing your own things. And you actually got mad because you prayed for God to do things for you and they didn't happen. So you kind of try other options. You get lost. It's always a good reminder for us to know that we have a God who comes looking for lost sheep. He comes to remind us that he loves us so much that he comes and, and in, the, in the biblical world, again, if you're a sheep and you're lost for too long, you know what that means? You what? You die. Sheep are one of the very few animals in the Bible that has no mechanism to defend itself. It doesn't have claws. It doesn't do a weird claw thing. Teeth for sheep are not even that sharp. Its dependence on staying alive is the shepherd finding them before somebody, another animal finds it. And David will use this beautiful image to say God knows when you're lost and he's coming for you. Some of you, you think about your kids or your grandchildren. I think about people in my family, people that I love, who are kind of, they've lost their way. Some of them are just confused about religion in general. They've had horrible experiences with church. They've heard preachers say the weirdest things. So they're like, we're done with this. To keep praying this prayer and to say, you know, you can go from a place of believing that God has a right path, that he has the strength for you. You can believe that and still find yourself in the valley of shadow. Like, how do we even get here? That things feel like around us, they're dying and broken. And then David does something that he knows a good shepherd does. He reminds us that a good shepherd has a rod and a staff. A rod is something that's often used in a, it's a stick form that you would kind of push off other animals to scare other animals away. David kind of was kind of an expert at this. He tells us some stories about like being a good shepherd. He's like, I was so good I could scare off a lion. I don't know, David. Relax. But he does say that. David probably was a great shepherd. And he's thinking about this as he's writing this and praying this, that God is such a better shepherd than David was. That he, he can point out certain things that if we go that way, we're going to be in trouble. And then the staff was actually used more to guide the sheep along. Sometimes to move them along from the back. Sometimes to pull them out of something they got stuck in. So these two images that the prayer gives us is a God who has everything that we would need. Every tool that you might need, God has. I often have said this to people in our church who find themselves in difficult situations. And I've been with them and I've prayed with them and as they've spoken to me, I've always sensed this. I have no idea how to pray for them. I've often had moments like this. You're with people and your life feels so broken and you're like, I don't know if I have the right words. And I'll often say this. It's a secret. You ready for it? I'll often say Jesus has more wisdom than you will ever need. It's that, that way of thinking that even though I don't know which tool you need now, Jesus has that tool. Jesus knows exactly what you need now, and I'm not even sure I think I know it, but he has it. So let's just listen together. Let's just see what it looks like. Is it a rod? Sometimes that's a correcting mechanism, which can be painful. Is it a staff? Is it just pointing out, this is the next step for you? What is that? 
Before I close, I just want to do one thing and something that's easy to miss. That as David writes this prayer, David has one thing that he doesn't know that we know. David has no idea that one day, one will come and he will call himself the good shepherd. He will call himself the good shepherd and he's the kind of good shepherd that has no rod and no staff. Even when David was writing this, David was thinking about God being that good shepherd. And Christians will often go back and read this prayer and say, wait a second, we know that Jesus called himself the good shepherd. That Jesus called himself the good shepherd and he does some of these things for his followers. He's the one who comes. And this is, by the way, if you're taking notes, one of the reasons people are going to get nervous about Jesus. That he takes stories of Israel and he says, you know these stories you just read? They're really about me. You know these stories that you love and you've been praying? They were meant to point you to me. But many of the people who listen to Jesus, they hate that he uses this language. They hate that he talks this way. Because everybody knows that the shepherd in the Bible is God, not Jesus. And then one day Jesus will say, everybody, listen, listen. I am the good shepherd. And look what he says next in John's gospel. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is one of the most profound things in the New Testament as you think about sheep and shepherds. Because a shepherd who dies is a bad shepherd. A shepherd who dies usually means the rest of their sheep are dead. And what Jesus is going to say is, I'm about to show you that there's a good shepherd that is going to use even death itself to give you a life you didn't even know you needed. To give you this life that only he can provide. And he's going to use this language. And you've got to be pretty smart to connect all the pieces. Because you're like, wait a second. Like, that's, that's hard to do. But Jesus will come and he will start to tell his disciples that he is the good shepherd. And that he's the one who can provide everything that they need. And at some point he will say to them, it's not enough that you've been praying that God is your shepherd. I want you to understand that I'm inviting you to start to pray that I would be your good shepherd. That you would let me be the one who guides you now as you trust me in this next phase. This is a challenge. Some of them are like, whoa, whoa, Jesus, I don't think we understand. I'm getting nervous here. Say that again slowly. You're the good shepherd like the God of Israel, like our God in Israel, like he was the good shepherd, or you're like that? He's like, I am like that. And I'm going to be that for you. And imagine that if you trust me, I will give you a strength that will allow you to be with those who hurt you, those who've, who've done the worst to you. I will give you a kind of strength where you can even be present with those who want to kill you, but my strength will be sufficient there. What does the next part of the psalm say? Look at this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love or mercy, some translations, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you imagine that if you understand this, this is exactly what Jesus is going to start to do with his disciples? And we know that one of the times that Jesus does this, he's going to give bread and a cup to Judas, who's there before him, who's planning to betray him. Can you imagine if you've grown up in your prayers so much that you can sit with people who you considered enemies? Can you imagine the kind of inner strength it would take to trust Jesus so much, to be with those who you could easily gossip about, be judgmental about, claim all these things about, and say, even in, with my enemies, I can eat now 
because Jesus has healed something deep inside of me. When he becomes a good shepherd for us. You see how when you read the Bible, you can hold together the story of Israel, the stories of these Psalms, and then how Jesus points to them. And they become links to understanding who he is. I'm going to invite Marius to come on up and and just uh, play on the keyboard. But I just want to tell you this story, and maybe for you this is hard to understand. Maybe for you this is still kind of just early as you're learning to pray. There are so many distractions waiting for each of us out the doors today. But can you just decide that you're going to go home and you're going to read Psalm 23? You're just going to read it slowly. And you're just going to see the sections and say, God, maybe one of these verses is really for me this season. I read a story a little while ago and it made me think about this prayer. And it had to do with a pastor, which by the way is where we get the idea of shepherd from. It's that a pastor is someone who shepherds people. In the Bible, one of the commandments that Jesus will leave one of his followers is that he should feed the sheep. I wish Jesus would have told us that some sheep don't want to eat. And sheep who don't eat usually die. And we as a church are committed to being the kind of church that we, all of us, are sheep. And we're letting God help us to be nourished in his way, in his word, so that we're growing up. And the story of this pastor who went to see this young boy about 10 years old and he was very sick in the hospital. And the doctor said, we don't think he's going to make it. So the pastor just sat alone with that little boy in the hospital room and said, can I teach you just a little prayer? The boy was by himself and he said, we're going to do it with your hand. It's just five words. It's very simple. So the boy took his hand. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you do that? The little boy, super simple. Lord is my shepherd. Can you do that? Probably. The Lord is my shepherd. And that little boy did that. It's very simple. I know you're sick. I know you have a lot of pain. But just pray that. Keep praying that. Well, a few weeks would go by. And the mom finally calls the pastor and shares with the pastor something no pastor wants to hear that the boy had died. So the pastor went to the house to be with the mom, sat with the mom. And the mom said, I'm really confused. At the end of, the, of, of our son's life, near the end when he couldn't speak to us, he kept doing this on his head. And we don't know what that means. So the pastor said, oh, it was a prayer that I taught your son. The Lord is And even when he couldn't speak, he could still continue to pray that prayer. Well, the mother cried, the father cried, we would cry. So the pastor said to the parents, can I teach you a very easy prayer? Five words. Jesus once said, I am the good shepherd. Your son is with that Jesus. Each of us can either choose to experience the love of a good shepherd now or one day we will meet the good shepherd and he will ask us, why did you not trust me with your life? Why did you not believe me when I told you I would be with you through life and death? Why did you not believe that I had everything you could ever need even though you wanted so much more? Why? So as I wrapped up my sermon this week, I just have a question. I have this question on the screen. 
We're not going to sing a song today. We're just going to think of this. Is when did Jesus become your good shepherd? When did that happen? When did you decide that it was time to pray such grown-up prayers that you would believe that Jesus is not just the good shepherd, your good shepherd? This will be so important for you to understand this. And we have all this other language. Oh, is Jesus in your heart? Did you accept? It's, It's like noise. Maybe this is a simpler way. Because when we learn this, we experience strength, renewal, hope, peace, as Holy Spirit strength to sit down with our enemies that we are Jesus sat down with his enemies. And that we learn to do this and to model to our kids and to the world that we've been praying grown-up prayers. That's what God wants for us because Jesus has more wisdom than what? Than we will ever need. Just stand as we pray. never kind of thought about your life belonging to this good shepherd. You've maybe never taken that step to say, man, I kind of thought I knew how to pray, but not like this. If you've never kind of taken that step, this is a great morning to just begin. To just really invite God to begin to show himself to you in a way that helps you take just the next step. And we'd love to help with that. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean your life is all going to be fixed. But it means that you're learning that Jesus has a strength and a way of guiding you in this life that only he can provide for you. Maybe for you, you've taken that step and you've forgotten some of this. Or you know somebody that really needs to be reminded that God loves us in this way. Maybe this week you would pay attention if God opens up an opportunity to talk or just model this loving shepherd who cares for us. Finds us when we're lost, when we're far off. He just comes and he's like, come on, come on. Maybe that's you. Any shepherd who found the sheep didn't just sit there and pray with the sheep. Any good shepherd would take that sheep and bring it and add it to the sheepfold so that sheep would be back with all the other sheep. By the way, that's what the church really is for. That's why when you accept Jesus and he becomes your good shepherd, you realize he invites you to meet all the other sheep. And they remind you how much they love you too. And maybe for you that's hard. That step of saying, I want to be part of a bigger community of people who are learning to trust Jesus as the good shepherd. We'd love to help you with that, to encourage you in that. Maybe you're watching online and you don't have a church or you don't have a community, just email us. We'd love to help you find that or connect with you in some way because lonely sheep are dead sheep. Sheep who have Jesus as their good shepherd meet other sheep. And we learn to follow Jesus together and serve him together 
and we begin to experience his love in this new way. So wherever you're at this morning, maybe this week as you read this prayer, you would just ask God, help me to grow up as I read this. Help me to just pay attention to some things maybe that I've missed. And if this morning you've sensed God saying to you, it's time that I become your good shepherd. It is time now. Even the devil knows what the Bible says, but he never surrendered to Jesus being his good shepherd. We'd love to pray with you. We have a prayer team that would love to pray with you. I would love to just say hi. Don't leave here and just ignore that sense that it's time to say yes to Jesus as the good shepherd. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, you love to help us to pay attention to the Father's voice. You love to remind us of the words of Jesus, our good shepherd. And you love to help us learn to surrender to God's ways. So we pray now you would help us, each of us, to commit again to being those who pray as grown-ups in the faith, as those who not just quote Bible verses, but want these verses to go deep into our lives so that we would be those who model a life that's following after the Good Shepherd. We thank you that this is possible because Jesus himself would really give his life for us. That he would be the kind of Good Shepherd that no one, not even David, could have expected. That he would die that he would die and that one day he would return reminding us that we can trust his words and his ways. I pray for everyone in this room to recommit today as simple as looking at their five fingers on their hand to trust that you could be their good shepherd and that they would learn to pray this way and trust you in deeper ways. And that you would make us the kind of church where when sheep who are lost experience being found, they would find their place here. They would know that they are loved and that they were missed and that they could grow here with us as we trust you as our good shepherd. Would you be with us now as we go and as we trust you and as we learn to pray these prayers even this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're, we're proud of many of you learning how to do this with us. Just a reminder, you're going to join us for the picnic. We just have some uh, info for you at, at the, just at the front there. If you're here again and you've just prayed some of this and this is new, please don't rush off. Just come chat with us. God bless everyone and have a great week this week. We'll see you soon.